0: This is the Pathways Podcast. This podcast exists to help you find completeness in Jesus.
1: Hi, this is Scott Ensminger, one of the co-hosts of the Pathways Podcast, and you're hearing the Pathways Podcast on a different podcast of ours here at Christchurch because we just wanted you to hear some of the stories that we have been having conversations with for people for the past few months now on the Pathways Podcast. Uh, that celebrate the 70 years of Christchurch. There's everything from former pastors on it uh, to some of our church families to uh, some of our elders here at Christ Church. But just wanted to give you uh, an opportunity to be able to hear these stories and just see what God has done uh, through the last 70 years at Christchurch for a no long Welcome to the Pathways Podcast. This podcast exists to help you find cleanliness in Jesus. My name is Scott Ensminger, one of the ministers on staff at Christ Church of Ornogo. And this podcast is one where we have some people share their stories. Uh, and as some of you might be aware from last month's podcast that this December, Christ Church of Oronago celebrates 70 years of existence. And uh, last month, uh, Dan McGrew and Clifford Wirt. They talked about leadership and being elders and actually their time at Christchurch before becoming elders. Uh, but one of the big things that they talked about was decisions that were made and the influence of Mr. Don Witherspoon in their life. And with me today is two of Mr. Don's daughters, uh, two of the three. So I just want to welcome you to, to the Pathway podcast. Thank you so much, Patty, for being here today. This is Patty Bearden. Hi. <laughs> and uh, also, they are pretty excited about doing this, too. So we just want to thank them for that. And Paula Stanley, thank you so much. Hello. As we get started, one of the things that we would just love for you to talk about, since both of you, I know the church is, is having its 70th anniversary this December, and I know that y'all haven't been here since the beginning of it, uh, but you hear you know, that you definitely were part of the early stages of it. But what is your earliest memory of being at Christ Church? Miss Patty, would you go first?
0: Since I'm the oldest, and Paula will be quick to point that out. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: My earliest memories are of the church in the building that's not here anymore. Um, It was just a basement um, with a tar paper roof, flat tar paper roof, and then they put the uh, other part on top. But it was a basement. We had metal folding chairs, a potbelly stove in the center to heat it. I remember the people. Um, I remember sitting beside my dad, hearing him sing. I remember getting in trouble for swallowing my nickel that they'd given me for offering. I remember getting sent to the car um, when I was naughty. And that was back in the day when you could go sit out on the parking lot as a little kid and not be concerned.
1: So, okay. So, but, so were they already part of Christchurch whenever you were born?
0: Yes, my okay. parents were charter members. Okay.
1: All right. They so they are charter members of Christchurch. Along Church. with our grandparents. Okay. Wow. Okay. So so Paula, um, obviously as is pointed out, you are the younger sister. So I am indeed. Yes. <laughs> so what the is much, your,
2: much younger okay. sister sister, <laughs> I will point out.
1: So what is your earliest memory of Christchurch?
2: <laughs> well, by the time I came along, they did have the the sanctuary upstairs. Um I can't remember I don't know when it was when it was, but I don't have any memories prior to that. I do remember the basement, but um, the sanctuary was there. And I remember sitting in the pews um, between my parents and listening to my dad sing. Um, He would sing really loud. And uh, I just, you know, have really strong memories of that. And um, I remember sometimes I'd get cold and he'd take a suit jacket off and wrap it around me. And um, it's just very, very comforting feelings.
1: Absolutely. So you both mentioned that you're, you you remember your dad singing. So was your dad a good singer or just loud?
2: He was. He was a good singer okay. and loud. His <laughs> voice sounded
0: very good, but um, the piano player usually played the piano at <laughs> the rhythm that he sang it <laughs> because he didn't sing it on rhythm. Okay. He was not a so, trained singer, but his voice was very good. Okay. Like a half beat behind. All
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we all got our things, right? <laughs> well, uh, so uh, so both of you have seen a lot of changes at Christchurch. What are some of the things though, that have just kind of just blown you away that, of of what you've seen happen at Christchurch?
0: Well, again, my memories are from when it was tiny, and we're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I'm just blown away that people have come from everywhere. To be here, um, I mean, I remember students from Mozart Christian College coming over here and um, they were from Mexico and Europe and places like that. And and just having so many people come out here in the middle of nowhere um, to church just kind of amazed me.
1: Hmm.
2: I'm not a world traveler. How <laughs> <laughs> they found us, you know how did, how did you find us? But yeah, that's, that's the same thing with me. I, and I always ask people because it's, it's hard to quantify why somebody, you know, wants to come all the way out here. Um, I don't know. And I've never really gotten a, a firm answer. What is it that makes you feel a part of Christ Church? And, the only thing I ever get is people say when they walk in the door, they just feel like they're home. Yep. And I, it's always been home to me. Right. You know? And so, I mean, I love that. I love right. that people feel at home. Right. Um, I don't know. I just, but it does blow me away. Yes.
1: You know, uh, I told this, I talked about this with Dan and Clifford, um, Last month on the podcast, we were at a church growth seminar when I was on staff of a church in Indianapolis, and they talked about Christ Church. And uh, when we uh, came out here to find a home, our daughter was born on a a Thursday, and my father-in-law and I came out here on a Sunday, either a Saturday or Sunday, to start looking at houses on that Monday. Um, And after we left, and that was back before the building had Pay parking and had a lot of vinyl on the building and a lot of additions, you know, had not been added on that we have now. But, uh, even my father-in-law of just being around here and being around some of the people, he said, there is something special about that place. And, um, you know, that was just one of the things I've just always remembered and you're both right with that, you know? And so, um, both of you, when you saw, I mean, a lot of the decisions that were made, um, a lot of it goes back to decisions that even Dan and Clifford talked about. Was the way that your dad led led them in making those decisions? Um, was your dad's like was his prayer life? I mean, he, I mean, you're just you just around certain people that they make good decisions. But what would you say about your dad? What was that something about with Mister Don that just that he made decisions that were the right decisions for the church early on in that?
2: I don't know. He just was he he was a very discerning person mm-hmm. and um qu- you know quiet in his in his faith like i've said he he wasn't a teacher he he didn't stand in front of people and and say follow me he he worked behind the scenes and made relationships and led by his quiet example and and then once in a while, he'd just say something really profound, <laughs> you know? I mean, he just—like he, I said, he wasn't, he wasn't highly educated, but he was just very discerning and wise, and I think that that's how he led. We, we, I think we were both daddy's
0: girls, mm. and um, I think he just—not only to his family, but to, his, to the church here, he just gave warm hugs—
2: in a figuratively, mm. figurative um, sense. I think they just trusted him. He was sincere. I mean, he was who he was. And he didn't try to be anybody that, you know, he didn't try to pretend to be anything other than that.
1: Right, right. Because one of the things that, you know, I've thought about for families, especially for ones that have been out here for a long time. Like I, when I first got here uh, at Christchurch 20 years ago, they, they were getting ready to start a building campaign, another one. And I was talking to, to one family and I said, how many building campaigns have you been a part of? And they're like, I can't even remember mm-hmm. now, you know, and just had to say thank you to them for the sacrifice they made. But also with the growth of a church, you also kind of, I mean, there are certain things that you lose also, you know, but, um, for the sake of the gospel, it's, you know, it definitely seemed like that, um, a lot of the people were really, were okay with losing some of the things that they were used to, but, you know, for the sake of that, do y'all remember even when like the worship style changed and some of those things? Do you remember that? What was, what was that like? Do you remember that time of whenever that kind of happened? And and talking to Dan and Cliff, it seemed like it was like 91, 92, somewhere in there, but.
2: It was probably closer to 89. Okay. Um, When Kent Williams was here, he came in. Eighty-eight, I think, and um, and he, you know, I think he prompted a lot of that, um, you know, just the updating and and becoming more contemporary. And to my recollection, it, that was not hard. Um, hmm. it, it that transition, but I mean, I was I was I was younger, right. you know, I wasn't. Um, you know, set in my ways, I guess, like some people. Um, but it was it was exciting and and meaningful to be able to to do some of the contemporary songs that you know they just they speak from the heart. I think. Yeah. And um, so, for me, that wasn't a hard transition at all. I think there were probably some people that
0: might have left. Um During that transition, um some people do like hymns again i was I was a young mom, and I loved it also um, i growing up, having the hymns, especially when you 're really little you 've heard them forever, yep. and they don't really mean anything right or they mean less than what they really are right um you know, as an adult, when I go back and sing them I find meaning in them that I didn't find when I was a kid. It was just wrote. Um, you just sang them and you knew all the verses and you knew all the words, but you didn't really grasp that it was meaning. Right. And um, the new songs, they were a lot of them just flat out scriptures from the Bible with a tune. And, they were impactful, and I think not just to me, but that's partly why there was growth. They were impactful to many people
1: so when when that began you know to happen, the growth happened, you know you just saw y'all from here so early on in that you saw a lot of people that were really um, that fought for the gospel to be heard. I mean, that was definitely one of the things I even heard last. You know, from the last podcast that Clifford and Dan talked about, they wanted to re- remove all the obstacles, but they wanted Jesus to be preached. But who are some people that come to mind when you just think about that? Really, were dedicated to the Lord and to the ministry of of Christ Church, getting you know the word of Christ out. Who are some people that come in mind that might have big impact in your life?
0: Well, when I had this, when I read this question. Honestly, nobody comes to mind. I've had, I have have I just always felt like Christ has been here. Hmm. Um, and possibly it's because I've been oblivious to the decisions leaders have made, but I've just always felt that.
2: Sure. Well, it kind of goes back to the whole reason Christ Church was born, you know, um, the whole— the whole impetus behind it was that they, um, they had been in more of a denominational situation where the teachings were less biblical and more tradition, and they wanted to just follow the Bible's teaching. And so, that was why they formed this group with that sole goal in mind. And so it's always been important that the gospel be preached and um, that we live by that. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. And I do think that's part of that. That part that helps has made this special. I guess even when I even say that fought for the gospel. One of the things that I was blown away with whenever I first got here was to find out that the building that's currently our office area now was built basically with all volunteers. And the sacrifice there, and I guess that's even when I like when you think of those early days. Who are some people that kind of come to mind that really just impacted you, or that just that you just really look back and go, "Boy, they were faithful," or they just helped in so many different ways.
0: Well, again, not with Bible teaching, right. but Wendell Mullins. Mm. Um, he was on the roof when he was in his seventies, building that building. Just so many men. Our dad put in hours and hours and hours um, building. That's what he did. He he did things. Um, I remember he was the one that used the jackhammer to jackhammer the concrete out of the, this build, one building into the newer building, which is now the Student Center, huh. before he died. He was the one that jackhammered that out. This is a side note that may not be appropriate here, but also... Um, <laughs> New Year's Eve, we had a watch party. We were here when they were constructing the Building B, is what we used to call it, um, that's now the offices. And um, we were here for a watch party. I accidentally left my purse here, and so we came back the next day to um, get it. And it was a holiday, so people weren't here, but they were here because... um, the heater that had been installed in the new building um, was catching on fire, and they had to call the fire department. And um, because somebody came, they noticed that there was smoke, and they caught the fire, and God provided again.
1: Yeah. um,
0: Just time after time, those kinds of things happened. Um, That doesn't have anything to do with (laughs) fighting for the gospel, and I don't know that it's, the right spot to have that here, but that that's a major memory with the building part. Right. But I remember Wendell working so, so much. I remember um, Dan McGrew worked so much. I mean, he, he, um, I think he did the plans for it even. I'm not sure, but he did so much work. Um, Yeah. I've heard that the cost of it was not even close to being what it should have been because of the labor and, back in the day there were not a lot of scholars hmm. but there were a lot of people who worked worked hard
1: yeah and just loved the lord with all they had absolutely that's that's amazing
2: well and they and they they put their money where their mouth was too you know they they guaranteed loans so that things personally guaranteed loans so that the church could do some of the things that they did. Um, And, you know, they were willing to sacrifice that for the church.
1: Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. And I, you know, when I got to Christ church, like uh, Mr. Wendell was still alive. And my memory of Mr. Wendell is uh, being in the, the worship center that's now our children's ministry area. And, Every fast song that middle man was da- I mean he was dancing you know <laughs> there or whatever, but he just really just loved it all, you know and uh, you know one of the things that I, I realized when I, after I got here was there were a couple things that stood out to me. First of all, one of the things that attracted me to Christchurch was is all three services at that time uh, were all alike, and there was unity between all three services that everybody was excited that the other people were there that was a, that was a thing that just really stood out to me, but also of the, the senior adults, which they call them young, young at heart here, that group, there were so many of them that were just rooting for the young families to be involved in the church and be connected. And that was a, that was something that was uh, very special that I just looked at it and was just really grateful for that, you know, uh, was a big thing there. Um, so, uh, as even talking about uh, just some of the, the, the things of this, how they just fought for the church, um, you know, I asked both of you to think about this question here is what did you learn about leadership or sacrifice from your parents?
0: That's just what a Christian does.
2: Mm. If you're a Christian, you serve, you sacrifice.
1: Mm.
2: And <clears throat> that is not about me. Um, it's putting others in front of yourself and doing what's best for them yeah and that's that's what my parents did always
1: yep is even when talking through some of this um and we've mentioned some of this before but with your dad uh being an elder um and we talked a little bit about this order but again just anything else come to mind of when you think about as you got became adults you know, and you had to make decisions. You have to think, of, you know, sometimes you think about, okay, how did my parents make these decisions or how do they do this? Or I know that sometimes I'll make a decision. I still think, what would my parents think of that decision I made? But um, what, what, did you, what did you see or what did you learn about how decisions are be made just from what you saw in your parents' life?
2: Well, we didn't really see a lot of the decision-making that went on as far as the church is concerned um, because it that was just something that was not discussed at home you know um we didn't know all the stuff that was going on right you know and so you know i think just prayerful consideration um is the only thing i i know to say about that um
1: Uh, I I would even say, yeah, and that's okay. I would even say too is like, what did you, I mean, one of the things that I was a youth minister for a long time and uh, you could just tell the kids that their, their parents invested in them and even helped them like know how to make decisions, I guess. So even when you, as even as, as kids, did did they help you with making decisions or like talk through things with you like what was that like
2: I remember one time in high school there was some kind of ruckus about something I don't know and all the students were you know talking about signing a petition about something and I I was a good student I did not disobey rules or anything like that so what did I do I called my mom and I said mom can I sign this should I sign this petition or you know little things like that you know I would I would ask their advice and they shared it. Um, but I don't think they necessarily, it wasn't like, let's sit down and talk about this issue sort of thing. But you know, we had pretty boring lives. I think <laughs> we were pretty sheltered, honestly. Yes. I yes. mean, very sheltered.
0: <laughs> I'm amazed looking back at how oblivious I was. <laughs> and honestly. Yeah. I, I, uh, We were raised a squeaky clean, so to speak,
2: and we just knew better. Yeah. Yeah. And they, yeah, they led by example. I mean, we were at church every Sunday morning for Sunday school, church. We were back for class time and church on Sunday night, and we were here on Wednesday night. We were, I mean, the church was, I mean, it was, Our life. Our life. And so... I was was an adult before I saw the
0: end of The Wizard of Oz.
2: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because it was always on Sunday night. Sunday night. night. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There were a lot of those shows that were only on Sunday night. (laughs) The Ten Commandments. (laughs) Anyway, um... Yeah, and so we just kind of got that from everybody. It was sort of, you know, everybody was just like, almost like your parent or your aunt or uncle, you know. Right. We were all family, and we all just helped teach other
1: yeah. people
2: yep. how to act. Yeah. And, and Paula and I are both rule followers
0: by, I mean, you know, the color code thing. Yep. By, by personality, we just follow rules, and we can't figure out why others don't. <laughs> so— <laughs> those weren't really things that we had problems with because yeah. it was like, well, everybody should do that.
1: Absolutely. Because one of the things, even asking some of these questions is too, is is for the podcast, um, is if we want people to just to hear, um, you know, how people make decisions, how people even parent that, you know, because, I mean, you, you know, your parents have three daughters that all love the Lord. Uh, that That says a lot, so that was even why I even asked that question there was because that that's just one of the things that you know that is kind of unheard of sometimes in families is that you um, all three of you love the Lord, you all have been very active in and part of you know christian ministry and and service in ways, and I just think that says a lot for the house you were raised in
0: well our older sister did not used to be um. She fell away from the Lord, and um, I vividly remember my gran- my grandpa saying—or maybe maybe it was my grandma—saying um, that when she was in this time period, that um, she had asked my grandpa, my dad's dad one time, uh, something like, Grandpa, why do you want to go to hell? You know, because if you don't love Jesus, you, get, you go to hell. And then— um, In her 20s, early 20s, she was far from the Lord. And um, they just prayed and prayed and prayed for her. But they had taught her. And um, she met her current husband and um, started talking to him and trying to convince him that his religion was wrong. And talked both of them back into a love for the Lord. Okay. And um, so it was there but there were many years that she ignored it. She's our strong-willed sister. She is not the rule follower (laughs) sister. (laughs) She is definitely a different personality than we are. Um, But you're right now she loves the Lord a lot Mm -hmm. and has um, been a foster parent to many children and and help them learn to love the Lord.
1: And also to know that, you know, yeah, but you also mentioned something here. Not only did you mention parents, but you also mentioned grandparents praying and being concerned too, you know, for for their grandkids' salvation and walk with the Lord.
2: But Granny, um, Granny Oliver, my mom's mom, she they had like journals of hers where she had prayers, um with uh about Pam, um, you know, she was she she just had a lot of people praying for her. Yeah. And, you know, our grandparents. <clears throat> mom's parents. Mom's parents. You know, they had six kids and, you know, almost all of them are yeah. still in church and, you know, at—and at, they're in their 70s and 80s, yeah. you know, and— um, And they have many, many grandchildren— in service for the Lord, missionaries
0: to Poland, um, church planters in Wichita. um, Preachers. Preachers. Our uncle was the first Timothy from the church, and they prayed a lot. Yeah. Our granny was very influential influential in our lives. And the grandparents I mentioned a minute ago were my dad's parents, and they didn't
2: become Christians until... Um, Paula was a a sometime, kid. Yeah, pr- probably sometime in the early seventies. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, then how did your how, how did your dad become a Christian? Mom. Okay.
2: <laughs> and and her parents had a big influence on him. Yeah. Huge influence on him. Yeah, they went to high school together, and it it, it was who mom was, and it's like. If you want to marry me,
1: <laughs> this
2: is what <all> we're
0: doing. <laughs> you got to stop knocking over houses in the cemetery.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there are houses in the cemetery, but okay. Well,
2: I'm not sure where they were at. <laughs> he knocked them over.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, he was mischievous. I think.
1: But, okay. Um,
2: but yeah, it it was her and yeah. and her family.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's and that's one of the things too, to where uh, you know. Even, even uh, Clifford last time was saying that his first, you know, opportunity to come to Christ Church was because he was because he was dating uh, mm-hmm. Pam. So, uh, uh, ladies and their love for the Lord is, can be very influential in a guy's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but again, um, just as buildings begin to kind of grow and things started happening out out here, um, uh, is there any like an exciting time that you just look back on and you go like, I can't believe that happened. Like that was just one of those things of where, um, you know, like they built, like I cannot believe we built this or, or, you know, the, you know, anything about the early days of Christchurch, I mean, as it started growing that you just look at that it like, wow, I cannot believe that we're doing this.
2: I think the, the biggest memory I have of just being completely overwhelmed um, was walking into our current sanctuary and just thinking about um, all of the people from when we were in the little, little tiny church and how they would just be amazed that this building was going to be filled with people I mean, and not just one service, but multiple services. And how they had no idea back then what they were investing in. Yeah, it was overwhelming. Hmm. And I just stood there and cried. (laughs) Surprise!
0: (laughs) (laughs) We've been a part of, well, I guess I've been a part of five worship centers, so to speak, including the basement with the potbelly stove. Um, But I remember going into, again, building B, which was the second building, which is now the offices, um, the first Sunday, and it being full. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And having thought that, oh, my word, this building is huge, huge. I'm just amazed that we need to have a building that's bigger than what we had. And then it was full the first Sunday. Hmm. Just thinking how huge it was, the beginning stages, and then by the time it's complete, it's too small, and then the beginning stages have to start all over again. And so then there was another one, and then there was another one, and and I'm amazed
2: that they kept getting full. Yeah. Yeah, when we built that building B, we built it so that we could stay in one service because um we liked each other and we didn't want to worship separately. And then 2 months after we moved into the building was Easter Sunday and we had three services, I believe. <laughs> Um, maybe only two. I don't I don't remember. It was a, a while back. <laughs> yeah, the one service are kind of some of the things
0: that I miss. Yep. We used to know everybody right. intimately. I mean, we knew what their family was like, we knew what their problems were, we knew how much they loved us, we knew their names. We'd probably been in their house. We've been in their house. We've played in their yards. Um, and I missed that. Yeah. And Now I don't know even half the people, let alone all of the people. Um, We used to stay after church for hours and just talk and visit. And now with this multiple services, you got to get in and get out and get room on the parking lot. and Those kinds of things. So those are just kind of some of the things that um, I miss. Yep. But they're worth it.
1: Right. And that's definitely the attitude that so many people have had here at Christ Church, just blown me away of that. And because that's the thing too, I look at it and, and, you know, I, I recognize being a part of other churches where I got here that a lot of people gave up a lot for the growth to happen, you know, of the, the family dynamic feel of that kind of going a little bit away. But what's, Amazing to me, though, is is what you said a while ago, is that we still, when we ask people, like, what drove you to Christ Church? They go, I went in there the first time and it felt like home. I'm like, okay, it still feels like family to them. It feels different mm-hmm. to us
2: mm-hmm.
1: with it being that big, but that's pretty amazing.
2: Well, and it does still feel like home. It's just, it's just you know, a different house, right. or, you know, yeah. and, you know, it, we, we went to a family reunion uh, over the summer and— it was my my mom's parents uh family and all of her brothers and sisters and you know the family it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and i don't know some of the third cousins once removed and all you know what i mean um it gets bigger but we're still family right and you know and we'll always be that and that's kind of how i see the church in in that you know we we grow and we've got you know, different uh, families, family groups, I guess you'd say. Um, but we're all still part of one big family.
1: Absolutely. And and that goes back, you know, into the question I even asked at Stenchall was, is, you know, with the changes, you know, um, where the transitions hard at times? And that's definitely, I mean, that, that's one of them there. Anything else come to you that you go like, that was a difficult time?
0: Well, I miss Easter sunrise service. <laughs> um. We used to alternate every other year um, Sunrise Service with Alba Church mm. and our church. And then our church got too big and Alba couldn't host us. And so we had to quit that. And then eventually we stopped the Sunrise Service. My husband was always quite confused why we would do Easter Sunrise Service. He thought that was just outrageous. That you'd have to get up early and get here. But we grew up, that was... That was what you did. Yeah. It was it was um to me, it was I guess to people who didn't like it, um okay, so it's sacrificial. Yeah. You you lose some sleep. Yeah. But Jesus is alive. Right. And you go and you celebrate. Jesus is alive, and who cares if you lost some sleep? Right. Um, and I missed I missed that a lot. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I cried like a baby when they tore down the old building, you know. And it was just, it was a sense of huge loss Hmm. for me. That was the building I got married in.
1: Hmm. Me too. Me
2: too. And, you know, it was just a building. It was an old, broken down building that didn't need to be there anymore. The basement leaked. (laughs) Bad. (laughs) And, um, you know, but it was my childhood up until... I was 30, <laughs> right? you know, and so it was a loss just seeing that gone. But, you know, it's not like we don't have a place to worship now. Right. And who wanted to meet over in that building? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know, it had kind of a musty smell and, you know, so yeah. you just adapt.
1: Yep. And I, th- I think that's a big, I think that is a big thing that, you know, just grateful for, uh, the families that have, had continued to adapt. That was one of the things that really, you know, I was amazed about when I first got here was that you just saw so many people that were willing to adapt, um, uh, to try things. Um, one of the things that, um, I had asked, uh, uh, Jim Johnson, who used to be a professor at Ozark Christian college. He is the one that kind of reached out to me to see if I would be interested in coming to Christchurch. And, and, um, I said uh, I said something like so like what's the untouchable like what's the golden calf what is the one thing you don't mess with there and he said, the golden calf at Christchurch is, is there is no golden calf. He's like, they will try whatever they got to try for the gospel. He says, but you got to be careful with that, too, because you could really make some, you know, some bad decisions by doing that. But he says, but they don't seem to do that. And that was just one of the things that I always felt uh, that was just so special uh, about the place. As, as we kind of come to the end a little bit of some of this time together, um, one of the questions I had sent y'all just to ask you about was, is um, what's a favorite verse of yours? And it can be one or multiple. It's okay.
2: Mine changes on a almost daily basis, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: depending on the mood I, I'm in. As I was thinking about this, I, I had to go to Hebrews twelve one mm-hmm. and 2. Um, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us... Also, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And I just think about, you know, all who've come before. My
0: current favorite is Psalm 28:7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. Hmm. Therefore, my heart celebrates, and I will give thanks to Him with my song. I love our worship time around here. Hmm. Um, I'm taken to the throne every week.
1: Both of your examples um, has been just just been uh, so phenomenal of what you both you know done. I mean you know, this church means a lot to you, but also, you know, um, you you know, your family made the ultimate sacrifice for this, you know, for this congregation, you know, and in a lot of different ways. And, um, you know, personally for me, I, you know, I'm grateful for that. Um, I'm grateful for the example, um, to have, um, when, you know, when I first got here, one of the things that, um, that I, I learned about Christ Church was, is that, you know, Wednesday nights for here was a lot of ladies' studies. And Paula, you were definitely part of kind of helping getting that going. And, you know, that tradition still happens, you know, where we have ladies' studies on a Wednesday night, but also just that, that part of that to kind of help that going and to do that. And, and just, you know, the way that uh, the cafe is such a big part of our, our church these days. And, and, and you've been a part of that with your husband, Alan, who kind of helped dream that up, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, for, and for Patty, um, the, uh, the first time I ever heard your name was, was, um, she's one of the ladies that, that teaches the little kids, um, uh, every week. And, uh, and she means business when she gets there to teach those kids. So that was the first time I had ever even heard your name when I first got here. Um, and I'm, and for those that are listening, um, uh, there are a lot of Kleenexes that have been used uh, during this <laughs> podcast, and I'm grateful they're willing to do this. And I'm not trying to uh, to upset you, Patty, right now, but uh, your example through just of what you've been through, um, you know, l- uh, losing your husband, Steve, um, watching you in the service worship, even though I know that's hard, just I, I think that's something that... Um, you know, I would just say that has, has been so, you know, just blown away and impressed by that. And just, just thank you for your example, but for both of you, um, for sharing your, your families with us, um, I am grateful for that. Yeah. You can say something.
2: I just, I just want to say that, um, you know, we've talked a lot about our parents and our grandparents and family, but they would be the first ones to say, don't look at me. Hmm. There were a lot of people that had a lot to do with that, and they would have seen their role as a very small part of that. Everybody gave a lot, and everybody sacrificed, and they wouldn't want to be held above anybody else or put above anybody else. Um. Because they were just doing what everybody did. Right. Sorry about that. I just had to add that because they were so averse to having attention drawn to them. Yep. Very much so.
1: Patty, is there anything you want to say as we close this out? I'm thankful.
2: Mm. Patty's one of the strongest people I know. Mm. And it's because she has such a firm faith in God and I aspire to be like her.
1: Well, I thank you so much both for sharing your family with us. A lot of us are here today because of your family, a lot of families that also invested in us. And, Thank you so much for doing that. And for those listening to this podcast, uh, if you're emotionally drained, that's okay. We are too. <laughs> we all might need to lay down and take a nap after this. Huh? But we just I think want to say. note it. I didn't
0: cry quite as much as Paula. <laughs> I have a wet face.
1: But thank you so much for listening. And we're just, uh, as over the next uh, few months, we're going to be doing podcasts. In uh, sharing stories. And, and some of them would be f- uh, through the 70 years of Christchurch. So uh, if you know someone that could be in, uh, just be encouraged by this or uh, someone you know that was part of that time and you would like to pass this on, then we just encourage you to let them know about uh, this podcast and let them know they can find it by searching Christchurch Vornogo wherever they get podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks again
0: for checking out this podcast from Christchurch of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover
1: completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christchurch, visit us online at cco.church.